I'm Laura Ortiz, and I've decided that I'm one of the new hosts of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I'm also known as Benedict Cumberpatch. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is Talkcast 152, and it's uh, it's an interesting night to read a book here on Sci-Fi Saturday. Woo! Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 451 Book Burning in Frederick Pavilion, I am the Dome. Joining us tonight are the usual suspects, minus a few, in the Revere Time Vortex Violent Soundboard Vixen, Kriana. I'm not violent. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. And unfortunately, tonight we're missing Zombrarian, who is out tonight hurting an author. <laughs> I mean, meeting an author, excuse me. If the author doesn't want to come on the show, she will be hurting her, however. So, from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the man who slices, dices, and julienne fries with his pencil. It's Illustrator X. Well, my, my. At Waterloo, Napoleon did surrender. I have no Okay, idea. I admit it. I am Abba. No, no. No, no, no. no. Oh, no. yeah. And I have no. met my destiny in quite a similar way. Hit him. Um, you don't know who your father is? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confused. Him is his sweet undead spouse, the woman with heat, with loveliness, and and a fist that will hit him if he sings. It is the dead redhead. How about I call you Fernando? Okay. Well, if you change your mind, I'm the first in line. <laughs> oh, this has to end now. <laughs> this has to end. You have the power. Yeah, you, mm. you can dance. You can jive. <laughs> Just... Keep He's him. out of control. Guys. Just, just kick him out. He's not even allowed on the show tonight. Oh. Mute him physically as well as emotionally. <laughs> More, though. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us, second half topics tonight. Um, huh? Hit him, please. In the second show, joining us from Plimpton Publishing, the Kickstarter project will be Yale Goldstein Love to talk about their Kickstarter project for Kindle serial books, which is not something that you eat during breakfast and read. It's something very different. All right, bad joke. Sorry. I'm moving <laughs> <up later. laughs> So there's a lot going on this week. This is probably the first week in about a month, month and a half. We haven't had a... Uh, Oh, thank you, Grian. I really needed to read that one. <laughs> it's true! Anyway. 
Any- <laughs> anyway, we were going to start by mentioning a shout out to our friends at the Nerdist. Woohoo! Of which we just had our buddy Cooper on the show. How you doing, my friend? But I, I don't actually know if he was involved in this. Probably not. But if he was, awesome. Um, so the Nerdist video channel just put out a new music video of Ben Folds 5 with... Wait for it. Wait for it. Go for it. The Fraggles. Yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing because it has Fraggles, obviously, because no one really cares about Ben Folds 5. Seriously, come on. <laughs> There's only three guys. What's up with that? I don't get it. But They did a cool song with Shatner. Yeah, okay, Shatner or Fraggles? Come on. Really? I'm just saying. <laughs> get your priorities straight, Dead Redhead. And Folds 5 could have been Mo- Gobo, Moki, Wembley, Boober, and Red. Sure. <laughs> Boober. <laughs> But Obviously, Wembley is my favorite. Red is your favorite? Wembley. Oh, Wembley. Red. Wembley? It's your favorite, isn't it, X? I don't know if I really have a favorite. I hate Red. I love Wembley. Also, I hate Moki. But I love Wembley. <laughs> oh, I can't hate Moki. Moki was the hippie of the bunch. Ah, listen to my song. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I always thought she was the Muppet version of Neil from The Young Ones. That was my Moki impression. <laughs> we guessed. By the way, tonight's episode brought to you by Doozer Sticks. <laughs> anyway, the rest of them are fine, but just like Red is kind of annoying. It's Moki's super annoying, but Wembley's the best. Obviously. So now, what is this crossover? Is this like when Kermit was on that Weezer album cover, or is this a true crossover? Well, I mean, they're in the video, bopping around and singing and having fun. I mean, so if you go to the Nerdist channel, there is a making of video, and it's really cute because Chris Hardwick uh, was, was the actual Nerdist himself, was um, working with the Henson Studio, and, and the lady from the Henson Studio said... So, what, what do you feel like doing? We could do this, we, we could do Fraggles. And he goes, Fraggles? That's an option? Nice. Which is, like I said, any, and I made it happen. any sane person's reaction to the sudden realization that you can have Fraggles in something. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if Fraggles is an option, you, you take it. It's an option worth taking, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't shown up in an OK Go video already, but... (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I love OK Go. We could talk about that later. But, um, seriously, you would think that they would have gotten the Fraggles first, but Ben Folds 5 beat them to it. But but we're going to have the link to the video on our post page. Everyone should watch and enjoy their Fraggles. Enjoy and definitely watch because it's cool, it's fun, it's... Fraggles. It's cool shit we like. It totally is cool shit we like. Speaking of cool shit we like or, or may not like, um, last week when uh, when Java rejoined us for the show. And I wasn't around. It wasn't a dream? <laughs> I missed it. Sad. Yeah, I definitely weren't here. And then Bobby woke up in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Wow. The whole last uh, season had been a dream. 
Java was saying how Revolution was going to be this great, wonderful show, uh, and and he had seen the. Uh, he lied. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Are, are you going to bash his pick while he's not here to defend himself? Fuck yeah. <laughs> okay, just just making sure I got this straight. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, he he, he talked about J.J. Abrams and. How great J.J. Abrams was, and how no. great Lost was. No. And, and I'm thinking to myself, when the fucking polar bear shows up on Revolution, I'm done. How about but, when the plane crashes or doesn't? I'm done. Well, we're if that's true, then we're done in the first four yeah, seconds. More plane crashes. We did get that. Lots of plane crashes. But uh, there's this wonderful article on Gamma Squad, which pretty much believes exactly as I do. It's five reasons why I don't want a revolution. <laughs> and uh, it so starts... there, Yoko Ono. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and that's as far as we can go with that, because, yeah. No, it's not as far as I can go. I mean... What with the song? Yeah. Yes, yeah. as far as the song goes. Otherwise, no, I have to bleep you all. It was... You know, there are just such gaping holes. I didn't get to read what you had up there, Dome, yet, because I had to, like, run around beforehand. But um, we were saying it's like after all of, uh, what, 15 years it's with that electricity, years. and we're like, wow, the guys all have cut haircuts that look like they just came out of, like, $500 salons. Because I looked at Brian, and I'm like, so would all the guys take to, you know, using straight razors, and Brian was more like, no, they would look more like somebody on a bender than yeah. anyone. <laughs> you ever see the cover of Aqualung? I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, those are really clean clothes. Not that they wouldn't have clean clothes, but they were like brand new leather boots. And, and, and the fact that everyone has... Still has shampoo, apparently, and... Uh, Everybody has shampoo and hey, soap. maybe they found a cobbler. Yeah. <laughs> no, these were new. These were, like, yeah, just Maybe, maybe they yeah. killed a cow and found a cobbler. You don't know. The thing that ticked me off was that apparently electricity is running through the pavement because in 15 years' time, Chicago's airport... It, there's no longer any pavement. It's all grass and trees in right. 15 years. And I'm like, you know, we moved into our house almost 15 years ago, and there's that little uh, paved pathway out the back. Oh, yeah. You know, so that, I don't... That's not covered over you know, yet. No, pixies must well, mow actually, that. actually, you know what? That, that it could actually, might be possible, because you, you do actually mow your lawn, right? <laughs> Uh, not the pavement. No, he and meant that we have a piece that where there's all these stones. Well, well, sure, I mean, though, but when you, since you're keeping track of the other growth in your lawn, then nothing is yeah. going to even start to grow over that. Once you have good grass cover, it's actually very quick for the larger plants that would actually disrupt asphalt to move in. No, here, here's, here, here was the big thing for me. Just this incredible waste of plot. Well, okay. J.J. Abrams oh, never has oh. a fucking plot. There is no plot. He makes you think there's a plot with all the trailers. He makes you think there are all these intricate little mysteries, and you never find out what they are. Why? Because he hasn't bothered to think of them. Well, here's the thing. The first ten minutes of it, the setup is actually fairly strong. It's pretty yes. good. Planes yes. fall out of the skies. People panic. A lot goes on all at once. 
chaos, frightening cats and dogs living together, and 15-year jump. Fuck you. Yeah, and if it were any <laughs> if it were any other author, it might be interesting. But it's J.J. Abrams, so nothing is going to happen for a very long time. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we learned that J.J. Abrams was behind the season of Walking Dead. Because <laughs> it was so him. It was so classic J.J. Abrams. What are, you, what are you, Norman Spinrad all of a sudden? Jesus. <laughs> Channeling your inner Spinrad here. <laughs> I mean, Hashtag real- Archer. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it's really too bad because that 15-year jump that they make between the end of the first segment of the show and the rest of the fucking show, there's where some really interesting stuff would happen, I think. Walking Dead-like stuff, eh? eh? Yeah, maybe, huh? Conspiracy, eh? Hmm. tell you, he loves to go back after a gap and fill in the blanks. Yeah, and you know what I love to do? Turn the fucking show off and go watch yeah. something time yeah, yeah. L- l- wait let's think about to his last masterpiece alcatraz which was almost kind of interesting what happened there oh, pretty nothing much nothing yep we gave up on that one too well it got canceled gave up nothing it got canceled without yes. revealing anything nine yep. episodes did it even get to nine episodes i don't think so I no, know. I think we, there were only five or six. We uh, we didn't get to nine. We episodes. only got no. to like two or three. No, 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 no. We gave it a good like five or six. No, really? I think I yeah. think it ran a full. It's just that they're so forgettable that it's like <laughs> Sam Neill's gonna look intense. Okay, and, and say something and, and yeah, he's gonna some comic book reference. exactly. He's gonna say something them. geeky, and then you know the yeah. girl's gonna get in trouble and have family issues, and oh, the hour's over. Yep. Pretty much that was it. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you. So, Java, much as I think you, you, you thought you had something to go with there. Nope. You did. You did. <laughs> and you know what? Speaking of uh, Walking Dead and J.J. Abrams, which oh we really weren't, but we will anyway. We were, um, Walking Dead webisodes start October 1st, and they are going to show up once a week for about three or four weeks to lead us into the new season. All right, I have a public service announcement about the Walking Dead webisodes. Do not watch them alone in the dark. Just <laughs> oh, really? Do not repeat. Well, oh, I want to now. Well, I, I'm just thinking, like from last year, I totally creeped myself out. Trying to watch. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna die. Yeah, I know. They were very creepy. There's really something were. under my bed. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, we're gonna put a we're gonna put a link to uh, their website so that those of you with guts and glory can go check them out because if they're anything like last season's, you are going to be creeped beyond all imaginable. In the horror. middle of a bright sunny day with a big group of people, so you can all laugh nervously and pretend you're not freaked out. Oh bah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of creepy, uh oh, Stephen Please. King, not really creepy, not really. Well, st- under the dirt, not really right, Stephen my, King. I'm, is that what you I'm, just said? Exactly what I'm betting against it. <laughs> I'm betting against it because Stephen King has announced he is writing the sequel to The Shining. I th- I don't think we can say The Shining. I think we have to say The Shining. The really? Shining. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Come on. Ugh. 
get, so, get, get, anyways. get with the kids these days, ten years ago. <laughs> huh? Like this Pokemon thing. But yeah, supposedly he's writing this thing, and it's called, what is it, Mr. Sleep? Yeah. Oh, There's something under my bed, wet. Ba- basically, Danny from The Shining is all grown up, still talking to his finger. <laughs> and he becomes Dr. Sleep. He's fighting psychic vampires, murderous paranormals, and aided by a prescient cat. I thought you were going to say prescient finger. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. I got to say, early Stephen King is a delight. Yes, it is. His early, early stuff, Salem's Lot, still one of my all-time favorite books ever. I could read that over and over and still get creeped out by it. Can I can I say I, that early Stephen King isn't a favorite of mine, but Richard Bachman stuff is? I have no idea who really? that is. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Well, there was I a like Sinner, but before Stephen King was Stephen King, he wrote under the pseudonym Richard Bachman. Yeah. And uh, the Running Man was one of those books. Wait, wait, wait! Did you just basically say that you liked Stephen King before he was Stephen King? Exactly what <laughs> and I did. Hipster Dome. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, can you get more hipster than that? I don't think so. I don't. Well, okay, I, I feel almost chastised <laughs> for it. Almost. I'll go with. I'll go with spot. I'll even go like into cemetery and oh, pet yeah. cemetery. Really, not the movie. Not the movie. Win. Not the movie. It had Pet, Tasha Yar. Pet's Cemetery book and um, what's the one I always forget that had um, about the guy who was in the accident that they made a whole series Dead of Dead Zone. The Dead Zone book. That was a really yeah. boring <laughs> series, though. The book was terrific. Can, book can was wait a minute? Since since she got mentioned, can we just take a minute and remember how hot Tasha Yar was? <laughs> she was oh, really yeah. hot. Kriana. Yeah. You're going to tell her that in person because she'll be at the Rock and Shock show next month where all the Sci-Fi Saturday Night cast will be. Awesome, and I will tell her that in person. <laughs> I'm sure she'd appreciate it at this point in her life. I'll be like, I, did, I didn't realize it when I was three and your show was airing, but like, you were really hot. <laughs> Maybe she still is. I don't know. Probably. We'll find out. We will. In case... We'll bring the restraints and the and the uh, train. Well, you know, we've seen both sides of the rock and shock. We've seen people like Adrian Barbo, who I'm still like, holy crap, that woman had triplets, and <laughs> she looks amazing. And then we've seen other people who don't look so great. Well, please look. I don't think I'll need the restraints. It's not like I'm dead redhead with oh, I don't know, Voltaire. Speaking of which. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Oh, I hate you for doing that. I, I handed you I that one. I, I handed you that one, Dead Redhead. You did. Thank you, Kriana. And my CD came in, and it's it's signed to the busty redhead. So I, I think that's fairly oh. accurate. And, and how did he know that? <laughs> because I've been at how many of his shows? And so it is, again, it's called My Trexual. I put it on our Facebook page. Um, the CD is out that you can order it or pieces of it or what have you and get other uh, things. We also got a poster and some stickers. I, I just want to point out the cover yep. is Sulu making out with Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, it is. It's kind of awesome. 
That's kind of hot. <laughs> I feel kind of dirty for saying it, but that. it is kind of hot. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Kriana, are you saying you'd like to have Voltaire on the show? Is this what I'm hearing? No, I'd like to have Sulu and Qui-Gon making out on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have Voltaire on the show. Um, uh, we know. So... So we have the songs, including The Trouble with Tribbles and Screw the Ocampa and <laughs> and uh, The USS Make Shit Up, which I'm sorry, is one of the funniest Star Trek joke songs ever. It's so catchy, and that's been on some of his other stuff. Wow. There's also a Doctor Who song called It's Bigger on the Inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Wow, that's really dirty. <laughs> And he does specifically say it's bigger on the inside, Amy Pond. <laughs> <laughs> and the the bonus track is called Bitrexual, and Robert Picardo does. Wait a minute, sing though. Wait a minute, though. Because can can we go for a minute with like Amy Pond is like the first companion in a while who like does not want to hump the doctor. <laughs> she she's all like in Terrari, and that's fine. Well, I don't know. I think she kind of does, but she's got her husband. Well, she so had a yeah. moment there, like, in the first season where she was like, maybe, and then she was like, ah, screw that. Yeah, she did throw herself at him. Well, that one time. Remember, she was, like, trying to almost forcibly rape him. Well, right. not right. like Rose, though, who wanted her own hand job, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Hey, hey, you will not be dissing Rose Tyler. Oh, I on... always diss Rose and her weird, oddly shaped mouth. And oh, hey, okay. right. winter is coming. Add that girl to our list. <laughs> you know, all right. Thank you for pointing that out. You're welcome. I, I thought it was just me. No, she's unattractive, but Amy's really hot. Really hot. <laughs> her legs go on forever. That's all we need. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> They're amazing and gazelle-like and beautiful. Oh my god. Gazelle-like. <laughs> Have you ever seen as two... Little, as little cartoon hearts circle Kriana. <laughs> X. X. Yes. Why is George R.R.R.R.R. Martin having something to do with one of my favorite superheroes of Marvel Universe? Uh, he's not. Uh, George R.R. R. Martin just gave an interview where he said he they said well would you want to write any comic books and he said I would love to write Doctor Strange but on one condition what he had to do it in like one nope. Nope. episode one it, issue it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty funny actually he says they can never retcon or change the story in any way shape or form ever even after he dies they can never alter it what well, that's and never going to fucking happen. Yeah, seriously. And it's like, really? <laughs> so, like, okay. So what you're saying is, you don't want to write comics, and this is your snotty way of, of pretending to be above all that. Yeah, he's never going to be on the I, show. I, I but don't that's know. all right. But that's okay. <laughs> he's got his money from Play of Chairs, and he'll be all happy. And... <laughs> But he did say that he would want to, if he did Doctor Strange, the rest of the Marvel Universe would not exist because Spider-Man isn't cool enough to hang out with Doctor Strange. Okay, now, X, I yeah. know that you are a fan. So when I mention this name, you're going to know immediately who it is. Ready? I'm ready. Tegan Jovanka. 
Ah, uh, Tegan Jovanka, introduced at the end of the Tom Baker run, was a major companion for the Fifth Doctor. Actually left the Fifth Doctor and came back and had a great ending uh, to, to her run. Fantastic. Uh, played by Janet Fielding. She was cute. Okay, now, why am I mentioning Janet Fielding? Janet because... Because you want to bring up the point that in the episode Time Flight, she was able <laughs> to read a language of Aborigine that was spoken in Australia 10,000 years ago, in addition no. to speaking English. No, no, I wish. I wish, because that would be far cooler than uh, what I actually have to talk about. Longtime fans of Doctor Who will remember Janet Fielding, who accompanied Peter Davidson, the fifth Doctor, during the early 80s. She's recently, unfortunately, been diagnosed with cancer. <gasps> oh. oh. Not another one. Oh. oh, I'm sorry to hear that. However, and here's the interesting thing. Davidson, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, Paul McGann, and David Tennant have all come together to help her raise money for charity. <gasps> Even more impressive than that, the money isn't going to help pay her medical bills. It's instead going to a project that she's, uh, she's very passionate about. There'll be a charity event in Britain on January 19th. Uh, and at the, it's, it's, a, it's a project called Project Motorhouse, which is an attempt to convert uh, an empty theater into a mixed-use space to bring more jobs into oh. uh, urbanized areas. Uh, of uh, Britain. Uh, so out of this kind of tragedy in her life, the doctors, five, five doctors have come together to help her make this a reality. I, I, I gotta say, um, I, I, I think that's absolutely fantastic and, and I'm very glad to hear that and of course we will be covering this as events unfold. Um, a, a friend of mine who I turn to when I don't have an answer for a Doctor Who question. <laughs> Which is me, pretty rare. Told me that he got to meet Janet Fielding at a con once and that she, he says, man, of all the Doctor Who people out there, she gets it the most. That when you do a show, when you're at a convention, you're on. You're not there to have an attitude. You're not there to be you know aloof you're there to meet the fans and say thank you when they when they tell you how much you affected them she was he says she saw her like jump out from behind her chair and hug children and he was really impressed with her more than anyone else he's ever met in fandom there's an official website for the project and an official website for the reunification of the five doctors to work with her on this and uh. we posting the link to that website. It's kind of uh, very sweet, but incredibly cool. Um, Janet Fielding is an incredibly cool human being, was a terrific actress, and uh, this is kind of bittersweet, but very cool. And I, I, I wanted to... Thank I didn't even hear about that. Thank you for posting that. Appreciate oh, you're it. welcome. Uh, which brings us to the halfway point in our show in which we say to the Dread we have a poll this week, and if we did, what was it about? We did have a poll this week, ladies and germs, and what we asked this week was, what is the bleakest, we've, we're always 
throwing out the term dystopian future. We throw that out a lot on this show. But it keeps coming back. <laughs> Smack. Um, so, <laughs> so this time we, we asked folks, what was the bleakest dystopian future of a list of those that we had? And we um, actually, there's a three-way tie for third place. And once again, the first the first place winner ran away with it. Well, but, yeah, for good reason, I think. Yes. But for third place, we had a three-way tie of Children of Men, 1984, and the Mad Max Road Warrior universe. And right? I think that's an incredibly really? dumb three-way tie. All right. That, Thank you for insulting our listeners. Next. <laughs> Wait, did you really say something, X? I, I, I'm just George Orwell is tied with Mad Max. Yeah, no shit. <sighs> and in number two is the universe of the Terminator. Okay. So is that does that mean it's the universe of James Cameron? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Does oh, <laughs> mean that the Terminator is? universe is uh, worse than a universe with Master Blaster and Thunderdome there. <laughs> what about Does Jason? See, I... Did someone say Jason Casey? I, I personally <laughs> I, I personally put the back because I thought that was a much bleaker universe. Anyway. Um, Fading out on it, honey. Come on back. Coming in at number one is Blade Runner. It has to be. Bleakest? The bleakest, yes. Really? That's what I was saying. It's not really... I mean, we still have Alexis. I'm surprised the Hunger Games didn't make it in there. Oh, seriously? They're so hot right now. Yeah, that's the only reason. What about... Dome, you you will probably remember this. What about that movie from 1980 starring Lee Majors Yeah, no one remembers that, so I'm going to bring in the guests now. And we're not talking... Dome, do you remember what I'm talking about? And Burgess Meredith was a fighter pilot, and he had to take down Chris Makepeace because he had to get to California, which was the area where there was still gasoline. Are, are you <laughs> talking about Starship Troopers, dude? Because seriously. Where he was the car racer? Oh, yeah. What film that was? The Last Race? I, I can't remember the name of it. What about Damnation Alley? Oh, my God. <laughs> what Escape from New York? What about Cherry 2000? Well, we could go hey, on and on. Hey, we had Escape from New York on there. And no <laughs> okay. I, I'm seriously bringing the guest in. <laughs> Oi. Sorry, we're talking about old people. You old people. Hello? Hi, Yale. This is Kriana from Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hello. And we're on live. So joining us now from the... Pl- Plimpton Publishing Kickstarter Project. That is difficult to say, damn it. Plimpton <laughs> yes. Kickstarter Project. That's a bit of a problem we're having. Holy crap. Yale Goals Love. How are you, my dear? A pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, people usually say that if they've not heard our show before, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually have heard it, and I still say it's a pleasure to be here. So <laughs> I'm just very so. optimistic, I guess. What a nice person you are. <laughs> we'll have you sign notes for our parents later. <laughs> Gladly. You, you are an author. Your first yes, novel, The Passion right. of Tasha Darsky, was published in 2007. Uh, got some incredible reviews. You've taught fiction, uh, uh, taught fiction writing, and you're part of the Plimpton Publishing Project. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. So, cool. Plimpton 
is um, well, we're basically we're, we call ourselves a literary studio, um, and there are several reasons for that. I could talk about that too. But what we what we basically just do is we publish serialized fiction for digital readers. So we're trying to bring back the wonderful old 19th century serial model. You know, the, in the 19th century, pretty much everything you think of as a novel was per, first published as a serial. Um, and we think that that is a great way to read and a great way for books to get audiences and um, and just sort of more fun than, than just getting a big book. So we're trying to bring it back. And the digital craze makes it very convenient and easy to do that. So this is essentially a new model for novelists to bring long form to the uh, digital revolution. Through exactly. Short... I would have said much better. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I, I'm stuttering my way through it. <laughs> so, so tell us about your partnership with Amazon and how that works. So, I mean, there's not, there's not too much to say about it um, because we don't really know what, what it's going to be going forward and what this is going to look like. But what had happened was we started, so about not this past May, but the May before, we first started getting into this area and thinking about doing um, serial fiction for digital readers. And we commissioned pieces and we had been working on it. And it wasn't really clear, you know, if anyone else was going to be interested in this or how we were going to bring it out into the world. And then this past, I guess, what was it, February maybe or March? Maybe even April. And I have a very bad sense of time. Um, we got a call that it turned out Amazon was also thinking about doing a serial thing and they needed writers. And of course we had these writers because we had been working on this for a while and we sort of paired up with them and they were going to publish, you know, three of our titles. And then it wasn't until the very end, like right before publication that it turned out that they actually wanted to co-brand our titles with us so that it would be, um, so that each of our titles would be co-branded as both Plimpton Publishing and Amazon Publishing. Um, and for that, we had to give up exclusivity, or we had to, rather, we had to give them exclusivity. So it's, these three titles are only going to be published uh, in the Amazon Kindle serial store. They won't be on Nook or um, iBooks or you know on any of the other digital platforms. So it was a bit of a trade-off, but we decided to go for it. And um, and what it'll mean for us going forward is very unclear. We don't know whether we'll be doing a deal like that again or whether, um, you know, from now on we just sort of want to strike out more on our own. Which brings us to the Kickstarter project. And what, how did that come about? What does that bring to Plimpton? So that came about for a few reasons. Um, I mean, one is, I think we all just wanted to do a Kickstarter. Kickstarters are so much fun, and they're so cool. Um, and I have to say that making, <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? They're just awesome. Um, and making that video was, like, the most fun, creative project I've ever been a part of. I think when you're, it's just, I mean, when you're a writer, you do, everything you do is so, first of all, it's so solitary. I mean, you don't have a partnership, usually. You're just doing your own little thing, and then you don't actually get to see it come off the page in such a lived-in way. So that was super cool. Um, but in terms of our practical goals, uh, we we need money, basically. I mean, we, we were very lucky. with the, Because of the Amazon deal, we actually are one of those lucky startups that is profitable before launch, which is very cool. Um, but we're not, you know, we're not rolling in the dough by any stretch. And 
we have you know a lot more fiction that we want to produce and we need money for that and we also have some other sort of grander plans in the works of things we want to do um, that are almost too, they're too inchoate to talk about now. Some of them probably wouldn't even make sense if I put them into words. But we have sort of, we have lots of schemes up our sleeves. Um, <laughs> and we need money to, to put our That's schemes cute. into action. <laughs> so why don't, why don't, for our listeners who haven't heard of the, the three series that you have out right now, why don't you tell us a little bit about the ones that you've already published? Sure, I would love to do that. They are really fun. Um, so the first one that we signed is, and this was sort of like we had gotten this flood of submissions when we, uh, you know, we just contacted like a few people in a few places saying, hey, we're looking at stuff for this new thing, and we just got an absolute flood of submissions. And most of them, I mean, a lot of them had strengths, but none of them were at first, you know, quite what we were looking for. And the first one that just jumped out of us, out at us, was by this guy named Evie Anderson, who is this delightful 40-year-old man who writes in the voice of this totally snarky, adorable 16-year-old girl. Um, and that one is called The Many Lives of Lilith Lane. And it's kind of like Nancy Drew meets a Back to the Future kind of thing. It's this young girl, this adorable... Yeah, it sounds, that, that sounds good, right? Um, she's this adorable 16-year-old, and her little sister is kidnapped and then murdered two weeks later, and she is beside herself, as anyone would be, and she's particularly beside herself because she had always fashioned herself a girl detective. Like, in her small little town, she would solve all these crimes, like figuring out, you know, who was poisoning the chief of police, it turned out to be his wife who had bad eyes, and all these sort of cute little things. But here, when it was a case that actually mattered, she hadn't been able to figure it out. So it opens sort of with that moment of failure. And then it turns out, um, this is the back to the future element, that there is this you know, mad evil scientist genius who lives in her town and has this big tower that towers over all the farms in this little, this little Midwestern town. And his, he somehow figured out this way, using his tower, that you can jump between multiple universes. Um, and when you jump between oh these multiple God. Earths, in each one, things are almost exactly the same, except that there's one point of divergence from which other divergences follow. Um, so it's kind of a many-worlds view uh, brought to the fictional page. And she jumps to this world where her sister has just been kidnapped but has not yet been murdered. And so she's jumping back and forth to try to use clues from the first world, her original world, to solve the case in the second world before her sister gets killed. Um, and it's just, it's incredibly fun. I mean, so it has sort of that urgency um, of, you know, trying to solve a murder, but it's also just hysterically funny. It's got kind of a, a little bit of a Joss Whedon-y vibe to it, too. So that one is just, that's a hoot. Um, and then the other, another one that we have is called Hacker Mom. Um, and this is sort of, this is, it's kind of in this genre that we're trying to bring about called, what we call mom thrillers. So it's just sort of, it's these thrillers, geared toward moms. Um, okay. But but not so much Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> God, I mean, part of me wishes we had, wow, we'd be, we'd be dead, we'd dead. Wow, we would need our Kickstarter if we had done that. But, um... <laughs> I'm not a whole new meaning to the term Kickstarter, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really wonderful. <laughs> like um, yeah, so it's, it's not, not Fifty Shades of Grey style. It's more, um, you know, these, these 
not not sexual thrillers, but just sort of, you know, straight up thrillers, but having stay-at-home moms as the protagonists. And it's sort of, it's, we realized at one point that like, you know, when, like when you look at meetup groups and things like that, the overwhelming preponderance of them are moms who are just sort of like stuck at home with their kids and bored out of their minds. So we thought, hey, you know, why don't we gear something toward these lovely ladies? Um, and so, and so, Hacker Mom was born. And Hacker Mom is about this stay-at-home mom who's married to a district attorney in Los Angeles, and her sister is this kind of world-famous hacker. And she goes to see her sister at a hacker convention and gets past something that puts her on this crazy path, uh, this new path in her life, where she becomes a major operative, an increasingly more major operative, and a kind of WikiLeaks type organization. So it's just, it's, it's fun. It's really, it's kind of, it's got, it's, it, it's fun. It's really, um, I don't know, I mean, it's, a, it's a really cool look at second chances. <laughs> that, but that is kind of what it's about. I mean, it's about this woman who thought she had given up on her dreams and her ideals and having an exciting life, and she's just going to be a good mom and a good wife. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything is completely called into question as she becomes this wild hacker woman. So, so that, one's, that one's also really fun. And then the last one is called Love is Strong as Death. And this is much more a straight-up kind of story. It's just a beautiful mystery about um, – it's, kind of, it's about reincarnation and uh, learning to trust love and a haunted house out in Marin County, and it's just, it's really kind of bone-chillingly good. I, I am such a snob when it comes to mysteries. I mean, I feel like almost not, it's so easy to, to start writing a good mystery, you know, like you set it up, and you're like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And usually by the end, you're like, oh yeah, okay, that, that, I saw that coming, that's not so great. Right. You know, it's, and it's so exciting when something actually carries through, and at the end, you're like, ooh, yeah, that was very cool. And this this really had that quality, so I was pretty excited when I saw this come in, and um, we we feel very very gung ho about that one. Yeah, I, I noticed that each one of the series uh, serials right now has it one or two episodes. Is there a, a, a format for these as to how many episodes actually are involved in each one, or does each author come yeah. up with their own? Well, right now, it's a pretty, it was pretty cut and dried for our early episodes, we, or rather for our early serials. Um, we wanted about five episodes, just because we thought, you know, we're still really experimenting with the form, and we thought five would be a good number um, to experiment with initially, because that way you have sort of like um, you know, two for the lead up, the third one is sort of the turnaround, and then two for sort of the denouement. And, and we thought that was sort of a nice, simple way to experiment with the form. As it turned out, one of them, Love as Strong as Death, came in at four episodes because the first one to sort of really set that rich mystery up, it needed to be extra long. Um, so, it, so it turned out to only be four episodes. But going forward, I think we're not going to be that cut and dry. I mean, I think we're we're open to much, much longer serials than five episodes. And I, and I noticed there's kind of a uniform pricing schedule within Amazon for what these are. Uh, yes. So that when one of our listeners wants to go get it, it's two bucks. Yes. 
you have to put a great deal of thought into whether you want to purchase this thing. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's I did you, Buck. Yeah, no <laughs> neither did I. It's just kind of like click. What a great idea! And for the next five weeks, I'm going to get a new episode. Or actually, uh, let me see which one. Oh, the Many Lives of Lilith Lane. It's one every two weeks. Yeah, and the other two are actually one a month. So, so you, you get to stretch out the fun for a long time. So, yeah. And just for two bucks, it's a pretty good deal. Yeah, we it's think, I mean, it's a pretty good yeah. deal. So are all your episodes, like, pre-written? Are, do you have any authors who are like, okay, I just released this one, now I have a month to write the next part of this? So nobody has a month <laughs> to write the next one, which I think is good, because I think we'd all have a heart attack if they did. Um, <laughs> or at least I would. I'm, I'm a total neurotic. Um, they're, they're a little cooler than I am. But Hackermon is, is the only one that's not totally done. So she just sent me the fourth episode right now, and we're working on editing that. And the last episode has not yet been written. So that's the only one that's sort of pay-as-you-go. Um, the other ones are, are completely finished. But we are sort of, I mean, I think going forward, we like the idea of, you know, putting my own neuroticism aside, we like the idea of having the writers actually writing as readers are reading, because that does open up the possibility of much more of a real conversation between the writers and the readers, which we, we like a lot. Right. I mean, that's, to be honest, I thought that was um, the natural outgrowth of this. It would be more like the soaps, like the original Dark Shadows, where there's like over 1,200 episodes, and as fans would write in, they would have new plot lines or, or characters would appear more based on feedback. Yeah, so I think that, and that is that is exactly sort of our vision going forward. And that's not to say that, and I also don't want to sort of give the impression that 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 ship has sailed with the three that we have going now. What we're sort of hoping with these is that you know we have the first volumes done, you know, which is those first five episodes, and then, but if they have, if they get a lot of traction, if they have a lot of readers, we want there to be more volumes. I mean, we want this to sort of be an ongoing thing, and in those further volumes is where you'll really see the reaction to to what readers are saying. So it's like a TV show. If if everyone loves it, you're not going to cancel it, Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing in particular at all. So I, I'm looking at your Kickstarter project right now. I see you're about halfway to your goal with 19 days to go. Take take our listeners through the different pledge levels and your fantastic rewards. I would gladly do that. So, um, you know, well, the first thing I would say is that, you know, of course, you can pledge at any amount you want. If you want to give us $1, then we will not look askance at that. Um, but the <laughs> rewards start at the $10 level. And for $10, you get um, pretty much just everything, everything, all those three episodes that we have published right now, which is, I think, a pretty good deal for $10. You think about how much a movie costs and how, much many, more, how many more hours of enjoyment you'll actually get from this. Um, and at, at just 25, we actually, you actually start getting involved in the process. Um, you become part of our editorial advisory board, which is pretty cool. Um, and that sort of means, well, I guess, what does that mean exactly? I mean, it really just means you're actually going to be on email lists as we're deciding whether to commission a certain series or a certain writer or a certain concept. And you actually get to vote on that, which, if you're into the serial concept, could be a very fun thing to do. Um, for $50, you get 
everything we're going to publish for the next year. So that's sort of, you know, from now, September to next September. Now, one of those things for that, for that $50 pledge, one of the yeah, things... Yeah, for a $50 pledge. One of the things that's important to remember, too, is that not all of your books are going to come out in the Kindle format. Some may be in different formats as well. Yes. Thank you for saying that. That is very, it is a very important thing to say. Yes, not everything is going to be in Kindle. They're going to be um, in different formats as well, hopefully. And yeah. I so, mean, like, not that Kindle's a bad format. You can read Kindles on many different things, but right. just, just still. So for $50... You not only get you get the full year of fiction. You're on the advisory board. You get wait. Do you get the three current ones as well with that one? You get the three current ones, and then you get. I mean, then you just get everything. You get everything for the first year. It, yeah. yeah, and you're on the and you get your name in the acknowledgement section. Oh yes, thank you. I overlooked that. You get your name in the acknowledgements, which is very nice. Um, and yeah, and it, it is important also to say that you don't need a Kindle to read any of the first three because, of course, there's the free Kindle app that you can put on your phone or your computer or your tablet. Um, so it's pretty much available to anyone who has, um, who sort of exists in the, in the modern world. It would be pretty, pretty easy. So X, sorry about that. Yeah, really. <laughs> wait, wait, how much do I have to pledge where you'll paint it on the wall of the cave? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not one of our levels, but we can talk about that afterward, privately. Okay. That's, that's, an idea. <laughs> that's a pri- it's the only way he's ever going to read it. It's a private <laughs> level, Illustrator X. I don't know. Fire, good. <laughs> now, I, I, I just like to point out that, that this is amazing. Usually you see Kickstarter projects with, like, a million people backing at the $50 level. But you actually have, like, a really, like, really decent number of people backing at much higher levels. You have over 30 backers at $100. You have 9 backers at $200, which I think cuz I okay, I follow a lot of Kickstarter. I'm kind yeah, of addicted. I've, I'm kind of addicted and just like having 9 backers at the $200 level is nearly unheard of. But having two backers oh, out of cool. well, actually wait, three backers at a $500 level, that's insane. And, and then you then you have three at 1000. That's that's literally insane. I don't think I've ever seen a project um, generate such high levels before, oh, cool. or or be this success. Maybe I'm just not interested in the ones that do. I don't know. But like, but like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like, like this is gravitate toward the, the dark horses. Maybe yeah. like this is serial <laughs> fiction. Like this, the, they cost two dollars that you have people throwing a thousand dollars at a time at you. That's awesome. You're doing something right. Yeah, I think people are really excited about this concept. I think it also really helps. I think it was um, at the hundred dollar level. I think it really helps that you get to go to our parties because well, yeah, that my, uh, my co-founder Absolutely. Jenny Lee is kind of just the most amazing party thrower in the world. And I think anyone who knows that is like, oh yes, I would like to pay a hundred dollars to go to one of her parties. Um, so, so I think that's actually helping a lot. Her her amazing event planning reputation. You hear that, all of our one listeners? <laughs> and we're going to have a Boston party. That that will be that will be something that's happening. That'll be at and I think at my. Well, I haven't actually. This will be an interesting way to ask my parents if I can have it at their home. But I think that <laughs> it's going to be at the loft of my my parents, Stephen Pinker and Rebecca Newberger Goldstein. So, um, so that could be very fun. They don't know this yet. So, you know, we'll... <laughs> we know it now. You heard it here first. You heard That's it here right. first. <laughs> yeah. 
So anyone who wants to come to that should should pledge a hundred dollars and and come party with us. Absolutely. So and I mean, it seems like that. you have some fantastic rewards. You have some really solid fiction out already, and that really helps. You know, some of these Kickstarter projects end up as vaporware, and people don't understand that Kickstarter is really just, it starts with an idea, but you guys started with more than that. Some of these Kickstarter project, projects are just like, you know, a wish and a dream, cool? and give it, give me your money, and I'll try to do this, but you guys have, are established now, you have, I think that your partnership with Amazon lends you some insane amount of credibility. Just yeah, I think so too. I'm kind of hoping, we're hoping that that's true. I mean, it is true that we're you know this is not a glint in our eye. This is something that's already happening. And I know there are sort of there have been these sort of Kickstarter horror stories where people get super oh, excited definitely. about some product and then it never materializes. And we we can guarantee that that's not going to happen because we've already materialized. So, so that's good. Exactly. It's like minimizing your risk as an investor. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I always have these sort of harebrained schemes of things that I want to kickstart, uh, you know, make a project for. Like, I have some novel I want to write, I'm going to kickstart it, and this and that. And then I always think, oh my God, it would be so awful if I didn't actually do it. So it's nice to have a project where I know that's not going to happen, and I can actually do the Kickstarter and feel completely safe in you know, what I am funny. promising to our pleasures. It's funny because there have been, in, in the past couple of years, these kind of private publishing using technology projects happening. Tracy Hickman is, is a really good friend of our show and Tracy's been doing these beautiful novels where he basically brings, you know, you want to be a part of the project, here's what it costs, you'll get uh, a chapter of the book, whenever it's done, you'll give us feedback on it, here's a special website for it, and when the book is done, because you've helped in the process, you get this beautiful hardbound copy of it that nobody else is ever going to see. Ooh, um, that's oh, that's on that. the one end. On the other end, we've got this, where for $2, somebody can say, I get to see this whole thing, and I get to have a, a new chapter every two weeks magically appear. <laughs> Yes, but it's, exactly. it's all part of different ways of distribution for new writers to get out, to get known, to, to, to find their audience. This is a great idea. I really love it. And I think the, the uh, publishing and writing industry is evolving a lot faster than certain other entertainment industries, which shall remain nameless, and that authors are <laughs> oh, sorry. really getting out there and trying new and different things, and I think that this is an absolutely fabulous thing for, for them to try. It's certainly not going to be right for everyone, but for the people that it's right for, it's going to be absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think I, I love the optimism I'm hearing about, you know new things that writers are trying and everyone's sort of experimenting and trying to figure out how do we reach a good audience and you know they're out there and we just have to figure out how to reach them and I love that I mean I feel like there's so much insecurity among writers these days thinking oh my god what's happening there's so much instability the big six publishing houses are so risk averse now and I think this is probably the most exciting time you can be a fiction writer. I would agree I with you. I, I mean, like, like Dome said, not not just Tracy. We've had dozens of writers on who are trying their own variations on these different models, and it's just so much fun to watch. What a cool response they get when when what what other certain industries have yet to learn is that if you show a human face 
and you and you really connect with people, they'll give you money, man. They will support <laughs> you. No, they will support you. If, yeah. if yeah, you that's dangerous knowledge. Yeah, if you if you treat them like actual people and not like just peons, like yeah, you owe me this money for writing this amazing song, movie, TV show, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if what you, was that? Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. But if you actually if you actually, you know, look at your scarcities and and use them well, you can charge $2 for your book and it covers your costs and you can charge premiums for things like going to parties and that's where yeah. you'll make your money. That is the hope, yeah. And I and I, I love the plug that you're giving also for treating writers as important people. You know, I think there's such a bad trend in our culture lately to think that art is not a worthwhile commodity. And so, you know, writers don't have to be paid for their writing. People who make music don't have to be paid for that. Oh. And it's such, a, it's such a perverse way of thinking. I mean, what is harder than making a piece of art? People should be compensated for these things. And we have Are you to listening? Uh, yes. Are you, you listening? Know, I, I, as, a, as a freelance artist, I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and be like, oh, well, you can just draw, you know, paint the Sistine Chapel uh, on your lunch break. It's, you know... <laughs> What you don't? What, what do you mean? You want me to pay you for that? Well, I think I think the general um, misunderstanding, and I think that certain industries have worked to actively promote this misunderstanding, is the difference between paying someone for their work and paying someone for a copy of their work. Yes, that's a really good mm. point. So, good so point. like, I feel like two dollars is a very reasonable price for this you know five episodes of fiction someone else might disagree with me and say but they're working so many hours to produce this well yes but it costs them literally nothing almost to give it to what? me their time. you know right. I, I mean they they don't understand the difference between like physically you used to have to go to a publisher spend all the time to get it published and edit it. Okay, so maybe they're doing that with you guys. That's that's fine. But then then they would have to print the book. They would have to print so many copies of the book, which cost a lot of money up front. Ship the book to wherever. Distribution then. And yeah. and then actually sell the book. And that but by the yeah. time you're done, the author wasn't even getting two bucks out of the twenty dollar book that you bought. That's right. Exactly. So so yeah. you know when I when I see these some of these Kindle books for like. Ten dollars. It, it like makes my blood boil a little bit because I'm like, that's that's just greedy right there. No, that's defeating yeah. the purpose <laughs> of that whole concept. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and, but people are like, but that's the price of a book, and they really don't understand the difference between physical copy, digital copy. You know, cost of production and why it's completely different. No, and the people who who don't want you to understand that are the major publishers. Well, exactly. Now. Now, if the if you know if the digital book in question was about say a science fiction podcast, then of course it's worth ten dollars. I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think it is. Thanks for not selling out, Kriana. We're with you. No, no, seriously, seriously. Here's the other thing: is that you really have to find your pricing sweet spot. And sorry, I'm just like going off on my general like business model rant it's right here rant, yeah. this is my yeah. business model rant you have to find That's the pricing sure, yeah. sweet yeah. spot you can price things at lower than ten dollars and make more money 
because more people are buying it. You you have to experiment, find the price that people are willing to pay and price stuff there and continually adjust that price based on the market. Yes, I could not agree with you more about that. I think that was, I mean, when we originally got excited about cereals, it was for exactly that reason, because we were thinking, okay, how do you make money digitally? I mean, what, you, you price something at sort of the impulse buy level, right? Exactly. And then you get someone to keep coming back for it. And yeah. that is a way to get writers to have a sort of regular income stream, which would be such a delightful thing for writers. So, I mean, he, yes. here's, here's how the old guy works, because I'm the old guy here. <laughs> I saw the many lives of Lilith Lane, and I, and I went, click. Done. Hello? <laughs> done. It's freaking done. Click done, send to my iPad. I'll read it later. Bomb. Click. Done. You know, because why? Well, number one, uh, because I like the, the concept of the project, and, and, I, and I like the concept of Plimpton. But number two, it's easy. Yeah, I, I have to admit something, too. I actually backed the Kickstarter project and then went and bought one of them anyway because I didn't want to wait to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I That's the kind of admission that. I really like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, like defeated the. I mean, I just I want to support you guys because like you're showing this awesome human face. You have an actual. I think it's a great plan to help authors get their work out there in a way that will really connect with people, especially if they're they're going to be like listening to feedback. I, I mean, I don't want them to like. Oh, everyone hates this character, but I love them, so I'm going to kill them off anyway. But like, you know, some, sometimes <laughs> fans have really good ideas, and sometimes hearing an idea will take you in a, a direction that you never even thought of before, and it might be awesome. You don't know that. So I, I think this could be a really, really amazingly fun thing, and I am looking forward to watching it grow. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And, and we're also looking forward to hearing, A, how the Kickstarter project works, B, how Plimpton grows from this point forward, and C, whenever you have new projects that you want to talk about, that you come back and talk to us. That would be my absolute pleasure. That would be awesome. <laughs> Gail, it has been an absolute joy talking about Plimpton, talking about you. I want to talk about some of your work at some point, too, because... You know, we're going to get to that in a few. <laughs> uh, thanks for thanks for kicking in with the music in the middle of my thought there, kiddo. Well, I I <laughs> thought you were done. I thought you were like wrapping okay. it up here. No. Okay. In at this point, yeah, we are going. Okay, to. well then I was right. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so X, where are we heading for the next couple of weeks, my friend? Oh, we got some fun stuff. On October 6th, it's a special event. Our Bloodbath Bonanza with Adam Green, Joe Lynch, Laura Ortiz, and Corey English of Fearnet's original series, Holliston. Hello! On, on October 20th, author Spider Robinson returns for our three-year anniversary show. Yay! And on October 27th, con season's not over yet. Sue Soar shares the guest list for this year's Rhode Island Comic Con. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con, Granite Con, and of ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Don't forget to keep an eye peeled on October 13th at the Worcester Centrum. I don't care what the building's called now, it's always the Worcester Centrum. <laughs> <laughs> or something. <laughs> members of Sci-Fi Saturday Night will be at the Rock and Shock Horror Fest. If you find Tonight's out, you'll win. That's right. 
Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold a Folk, at robwattsonline.com. <laughs> Dome? I want to thank Yale Goldstein, love the Plimpton Project. My God, I can't even talk. Wow. Joining us tonight. Yeah, I know. It's the same way every freaking week. And we're going to be hearing more from her in the near future about this project and many, many more. And I want to thank the cast tonight. Oh, guys, it's been really interesting. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Thank you, darling. Spoiler alert, the prize is a sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Hey, uh, don't forget, at the Rock and Chalk will also be our friends from the New England Horror Writers Association. Oh, Christy! Woo! Up. Yes, uh, and I do want to mention Christy and Nathan. Congratulations on getting married. Yay, congratulations. Shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased, thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. I know. <laughs>